They are the immortal damned. One family lusting for power and wealth. The chain has never been broken, not in 14 centuries. Another driven by revenge. Soon we'll defeat the vampires on their own ground. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then we try to understand why it was made. Uh, my name is Davin, and I will rule this coven for some reason to maybe revealed, and I am joined by Sam. Hello, please stab me in the heart with a stake so I don't have to watch this film again. <laughs> and also, Arch Vampire Ross. Uh, I'm actually an arch lichen, Dave. We're sworn enemies. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Here is it? Is that okay anymore? Um, and this week, we watched 2003's film, Underworld, uh, starring Kate Beckinsale, Bill Nighy, and Martin Sheen. Uh, Michael Sheen, not Martin Sheen. That's a very different movie. Well done. <laughs> and probably not the last time I'll confuse those two this week. <laughs> you, you also missed off the, um, the, the just irrepressible star, Scott Speedman. Who is the is the the kind of second character in this film? He's the name on the what? <laughs> Scott Speedman. Yeah, he's the name on on the poster actually. Next next to Kate. Beckinsale. Sam, Sam, you don't you don't need to tell me who Scott Speedman is, all right? All right. I, 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 I think we all know who Scott Speedman is, but for Dave, tell us. <laughs> Scott Speedman is um, a guy who's in this movie. Thank Excellent. you, IMDb. Right. <laughs> let's not get bogged down, Sam. Let's jump straight in. What is the plot of this movie? Oh, well, if only I could tell you, but I will. Uh, Celine, a vampire warrior, is entrenched in a conflict between vampires and werewolves while falling in love with Michael, a human who is sought by the werewolves for unknown reasons. Those unknown reasons don't really become clear. <laughs> yes, still unknown. As, uh, the as, search is I mean, on. as the story uh, If progresses. you know, please write in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's in the sequel, sequel baiting, in the description of the first movie. I'm not sure. I, I've probably seen um, t- well, at least one of these sequels, maybe two of them, and, and I'm, I'm fairly sure that that they can continue in the same confusing, ill-conceived and ill-executed vein, really. Um, so this is kind of an interesting movie. Uh, we watched Blade a couple of weeks ago, and that's con- so it's an interesting movie to compare to that, because I think it's... That's an important 2000... clarification, I think, Dave. It is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's 2003. It's five years after Blade, and it's what uh, Matrix is 99. 99. So four years after the Matrix, and I think it's this film is really is really chasing you know both of those films and trying to sort of like take advantage of the cultural zeitgeist at the time. This is it's trying to be this like because obviously we haven't really talked in detail, but Kate Beckinsale is the sort of our lead in this film, and she plays. Um, Lara Croft, if Lara Croft was a vampire, um, I think yep. it's probably the, the the closest description, really. Um, well, yeah, I, th- I think you're on the money there. The, the sort of the tight, sort of revealing clothes, the jewel pistols, the the stern look, but also just needs a man to care for her. <laughs> she just needs a man to look after Ross. I think is the is the yeah to think for her so. exactly. This is um, this is a very is a very like two thousands movie, isn't it? You know, there's there's not a lot of depth going on here. It's 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 all fairly surface level, and um, I think the whole film really suffers for that in terms of, of in terms of what it's going for. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so before we go on to, I think we'll talk about the plot in more detail. But in terms of like uh, you know the, the the under the hood type stats. Um, this movie was made for twenty-two million dollars, I think, which is not not a huge budget, but this is not a B movie at that budget. It's you know some time and thought went into this, and it made ninety-five million at the box office. We're talking U.S. dollars here, which is quite astounding um, for for when it came out. Really, you know, the same year as Return of the King, to put it in time, really, mm. um, which is mad. And and not, I think the more more impressive stat is that this film has spawned four sequels. Extraordinary. The last of which I think was Baffling. made last year. Last year? Something like that, yeah. Was it like straight to sort of like streaming service or nope. something? I think this came out of the cinema. Really? Oh, 
I think so, yeah. Good lord, I had absolutely no idea. I mean, this the, these are these are films that have entirely passed me by. I wasn't even sure that I'd even heard of them, um, and 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 I don't really feel like I've lost much of the, of the cultural <laughs> cultural impact of that. I think I lost something watching it. Yes, yeah. definitely. Well, but- to to correct myself just briefly, so Underworld two thousand and three, uh, Underworld Evolution two thousand and six, Underworld Rise of the Lycans two thousand and nine, which I believe is a prequel, um, and then in two thousand and twelve we had Underworld Awakening. And in 2016, we had Underworld Blood Wars, which is uh, the last one to star um, Kate Beckinsale, who has since stated that um, she will not be appearing in any future films, saying, I wouldn't return. I've done plenty of those. Good Lord. I think that's what the people who went to go see it in the cinema said. Yeah. No, I won't. I won't do another. I've done plenty of them. Well, the, the, the problem is, is that seemingly they didn't. Seemingly, these people keep going back. And, Apparently, and really yeah, loved, actually, that's a good point. And really love this universe <laughs> that they've created. So we, we did Blade the other week and I kind of like generally, I don't really have much affinity for, for vampire uh, movies. I don't know why. I just find them a bit weird. I find like all the wearing black and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the I don't know if vampires make me uncomfortable or, or what it is, but I just spent the whole time just like kind of bored, even with, with Blade, which I, I appreciate more as a movie. And I think, but still the vamp and the vampire stuff is more interesting, but still it just doesn't really connect. This film seems to like wrap up all the things that are cool about vampires, though, that do remain, <laughs> yeah. and remove them entirely. And so there's nothing <laughs> left. There's nothing left. Like there's no, there's, there isn't, there is no, um, like, the, the, there's no vampire politics like we see in Blade. There's not like yeah. super violence, so we don't get to see lots of necks getting eaten. We don't even get like the old-fashioned, you know. Christopher Lee Nosferatu style vampires either we get none of that we just get like there is nary an orgy in this film there's no orgies exactly and I think and all of that is just like well okay then what's the point what why are we here what are we doing why are these why even make these these vampires why not just make them you know a gangster movie or whatever uh it's just maybe maybe Twilight's more your thing Sam <laughs> no no I don't like that either no I'm, I, no, I'm joking I know but just but I, 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 it just vampires in general, but 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 at least I appreciate what Blade did is like, well, yeah. let's like let's take the vampire trope and let's subvert it a bit, and this just seems to suck all the well blood out of it, I guess. <laughs> without well done, without, nice, <laughs> without actively doing any of that, without without. So, I know um, these are all these are all really good comments, but what I want to do first is this is going to be one of those movies that we can fix, I think, mm-hmm. and the fixing might be burning it down and starting again, but. You know, it's doable. This yeah. is obviously a very disjointed film, and maybe it, it aims for a lot of things that it misses. And we'll get into that in a minute. But what I want to do briefly is talk through the plot in just a little bit more detail and try and sort of crystallize what, if any, the characters' motivations are and whether anything that's happening is believable or even interesting mm. as we go through. Yeah. Okay, right. So, how do you, how, yeah. so you, you, you kick us off, Div. I will. So the film opens. Kate Beckinsale is our is our sort of our, our heroine. She's she's serene. She's a vampire, um, and we have a voiceover which is a lazy fucking way. To I hate movie. voiceovers. Have... <laughs> I hate voiceovers. We have a <laughs> unless unless you're unless you're um... Sam had always hated voiceovers. He'd hated them since he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since his dad narrated those vicious beatings. <laughs> I what I hate about voiceovers is I think it is lazy, and I think. That it, it it in this case it's the perfect example of why a voiceover is bad because you're literally told what's happened but you're not shown any of it and you're not given any time to like process or to understand what's going on or to, it doesn't give you any context we just get oh so vampires and werewolves don't like each other so we've been fighting for a million years and there's this guy called Victor that you're not going to see for ages and then this thing happens and then there we go and that's pretty much all we get we get no like. We don't even understand who she is. We don't understand who Celine is. Well, we're told. Well, we do a little bit. She says she's a death dealer. She's basically like vampire special forces. And and the first sort of the the first bit we watch is it's in a subway station and there's some werewolves there, um, which we later find out are werewolves, and there are the vampires there with Celine. And and they they start a shootout. It's quite sort of like westerny in in its the way it's sort of, sort of done. And they have this shootout, and, and it all unfolds, and um, and there's this human there called Michael, 
Um, and more on him later, but not much more because I guess the film isn't interested in him as a character. But we see Celine. She there's some a lot of shooting, a lot of like dual wielding those pistols, a lot of like firing fifteen hundred bullets out of a seven clip little pistol. But that's again neither here nor there. Um, you get some. You get a scene of a guy turning into a werewolf that we don't see. Mm-hmm. I guess because two thousand and three and and CGI. And and this kind of establishes the the sort of like the underground war that's happening between werewolves and vampires. I'm not well establishes, but that's what the voiceover tells us is that you know vampires good, werewolves bad, essentially. Yeah. Um, in a fairly modern setting as well, like it's it's kind of again again in a, in the same vein as Blade. Uh, it's roughly contemporary, isn't it? It's it's like yeah. you know it's two thousand and three, and all of this is happening just outside of at night and and outside of human beings. Can we talk about that first scene? Because you've got the voiceover, then they're in the subway station, and I mean, it, not it's not shot for shot, but the the concept of it is basically the exact same thing from the Matrix, where they're in the where they're in the underground station, and we see uh, Mr. Smith and I can't is it Matrix One or maybe Two? Can't remember. I think it, it's Two. At the, I think it's Two at the train station. Yeah, the bit one. where oh, no, 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 it is one. one. It is one, isn't it? Yeah. It's at the end, yeah. Yeah, and they're fighting, in there. and and you see, you see, like what was really cool about the Matrix is that when they're shooting, all of the they had loads of explosives in the walls, so it all blew up, and like there's plaster uh-huh, yeah. flying everywhere, and they're dual wielding, and they're jumping, and it's like, and it tries to do that, but it just does it in a way that, yeah, like it hasn't earned it yet. We haven't, earned, we're, we're we're like five minutes into this movie, if let <laughs> if that, and we just we have no idea what's going on. There's no, there's no, there's not. It's not very clear who, I, who exactly is the target of this woman. Like I thought that the Michael initially was the guy that she was after. Well, and then I'm it ends up no, what actually is actually happening. But what's actually happening is that these vampires are following the werewolves who are following Michael. Yeah, but but that yep. that is just not clear at all. So it's so straight away after you've had this introduction with the voiceover, straight away. I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on. I don't know who any of these characters are. Even even Celine, I have really no idea what her motivation is, why she's doing this, other than she's, she's all right, she kills bad guys and, and werewolves, but other than that, nothing, nothing. And that's the first scene. This is the bit where they're trying to, like, strap you in and get you ready for this movie to understand what's going on. And it gives you zero. Like Later on in the movie, yeah, this would be a cool scene when you understand a little bit more about what's going on the stakes yeah yeah exactly exactly stakes and there's nothing and I, th- I just think it's like the worst possible start and after after this point i spent the whole time going what <laughs> just so confused so, what i struggle with is the, the setup and i might be jumping the gun here dave so rein me in if you want but this setup so basically you're led to believe that sort of vampires are dominating the werewolves you know keeping them in check okay Fair enough. Somehow, the werewolves then have developed tech and weapons that can kill vampires with one shot. You know, vampires have the silver bullets, which the werewolves can squeeze out, but they have sort of like, you know, UV-emitting bullets that kill vampires. So these guys are the underdogs, but they're somehow able to develop better tech at dispatching them. Also, the werewolves are supposed to be like, you know, again, you know, the weaker sort of, you know, the... The, the underdog race, uh, you know, the vampires are dominant, they're subservient, but the vampires only come out at night. How an under God are they dominating them so much when they can really sort of fight them out in the open half the time? In addition to that, uh, there's a couple of scenes later on where, like, when the lichens turn into the sort of the beasts, the werewolves, they dispatch vampires with ease, like, no problem. And again, I'm wondering... How on earth did vampires ever get on top? Okay. It's. I get what you mean, Ross. Wait, I'm wait for it. We'll <laughs> wait on. for it. But the, and here comes another thing, which is uh, one of my gripes, which is consistency. Then near the end of the film, Bill Nye, who absolutely, if this movie could be saved, he's the guy who's carrying it on his shoulders. There's this fight scene where Bill Nye's got like seven vampires behind him. They're all shooting at this werewolf. And Bill Nye, barehanded, grabs the werewolf by the throat and dispatches him, kills him easily, right? So then I'm wondering, why have they got, they got the, you know, the, the death dealers like uh, Cena or, or whoever? 
when, yeah, thank you. When you've got Bill Nye, who can literally single-handedly kill these guys, right? And I know he's resting, but you know what? You know, Bill Nye says while the two while two leaders rest, one is sort of acting. So that one should be Craven. So for him to ascend to that level, he should be powerful enough to despite, or he should be powerful enough to sort of be on the level as Bill Nye and the other leader of the coven. Well. I have, a, I do have, a, I do have a point on that, Ross, and and I do understand what you mean. Um, I have seen this film a lot, and so you do get a little bit. Of, there is, there is some vampire politics in this, although it's not great. Uh, so Bill Nye, he uh, Marcus, who we don't see, and the woman on the train who's murdered. Um, they're the three elders. Yeah. Craven, they're so that we're given to believe they're like two thousand years old or whatever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're basically these vampire like gods yes yep craven is a lot younger and and is like a you know like middle management he isn't he isn't all powerful and we're led to believe that it's you know the only the only the oldest vampires have this pat you know this immense power yeah. and, and the, the younger ones don't so craven is is like selena he's like a you know he's just some some dude just you know, a regular vampire not, exactly he's just a regular vampire okay. whereas bill nye he's kind of like you know he's king vampire Bill Nye and the other two, you know, one's in the ground and exactly, that other one yeah. is on the train. Um, but she is but also again, killed that's, I don't think that's I don't think that's very well explained. And also, we'll certainly it's not, it's get not well explained. to the... It's not well done. They don't even know what they're doing. Because, oh, no, like, no, no totally. It's, it's kind of a thing when you do a fantasy film like this, and this is what this is. It's sort of like a fantasy, you know, not not at all horror. I'm not, you know, it's, it's a fantasy sort of like sci-fi thing. And and I think you you are right, Ross. You need to clearly establish like the relative power of the people in it. Otherwise, you have a real problem in this of like like you said, Ross. If you're sitting there scratching your head and going, "Well, these werewolves kicking the shit out of these vampires. Why aren't the werewolves consistently and constantly kicking the shit yes. out of these vampires? They seem to have every advantage." Yeah. Um And 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 I do get what you mean. I think that's a real failing of the film. And it's a genre failing. It's a failing that not all films in this genre have. You know, um, but let's let's put that on the shelf for a minute, Ross. And I'm certain we'll sweep back to it once we've gone through a bit more of the plot. If that's all right. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. So this film also suffers from quite a lot of library scenes, but they take place in an armory most of the time. So we jump straight from this subway scene to Celine doing a little bit of detective work. She swings by the armory to talk about guns because. My God, it's 2003, and we're fucking in love with guns. Yeah. Like, The Matrix did something to film, you know? The Matrix did something to film where suddenly all we want to see is someone, like, walking down the hallway with two guns firing. Yeah. Like, that's all we want. In a black trench coat. Exactly. And this this is what... That's what this film is. To the point of ludicrousness, where almost no one is killed by bullets in this film. Certainly, almost no one is hurt by bullets in this film. And they seem massively ineffectual. No, it's kind of bizarre. Nobody, nobody actually lands. I think, like, in, especially in the in the first scene, the the accuracy of the of the the shooters is just insane. I mean, it must be like five percent or something of bullets actually hit their target because they're just spraying it around, like, and they've got all these like uh, semi-automatic pistols and stuff, and they're just like just spraying them everywhere um, because it looks cool, presumably, rather than necessarily well. Like I said, I think I think this is a classic example of this film taking the wrong lessons from other films yeah. we've talked about. Um, so moving on with the plot, um, because we're getting bogged down otherwise. Celine does a bit of detective work to find out why the werewolves are after this guy Michael, um, and she's going around this mansion, ignoring a lot of people. And Craven, who's the you know we're told the sort of like one of one of the upper middle management vampires. Um, He's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm not happy with this, but then ultimately doesn't do anything. Um, and this sort of culminates in us getting some scenes with um, Mike, uh, Martin Sheen, Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen, Martin Sheen. I really need to get this right in my head. Michael Sheen. Michael, Michael Sheen. Michael yeah. Sheen. Michael Sheen. The Put Welsh one, them. not the the Welsh American. one. I know. <laughs> Um, and then we get a lot of scenes with uh, Michael Sheen, who I really love generally, and I think even in this film I quite like him, who's the head werewolf for all intents and purposes. He's called Lucian, and he's sort of like, he's the architect behind 
all of it really he's trying to get hold of Michael and we find out that the reason he's doing that is because to cut a long story short Michael has uh, a unique genetic structure which means that he can be both a vampire and a werewolf which we're told is more powerful than either a vampire or a werewolf if we're all following along with this yep I'm just about cool, with you. Because just about with you. Honestly, like this is in the film probably explains this in in about as sloppy a manner as I just have done. No, um, but at least at least it doesn't take an hour and a half. You've done this in about four minutes. This whole movie, yeah. to, even towards the end, you haven't got really an idea what's going on, other than just people aren't very happy with each other. There's a lot of dead time, and there's a lot of like. Like, I leveled this a minute ago, but like Craven, um, they're sort of like the middle, you know, the. The, the assistant manager of this coven. Um, <laughs> assistant two. Assistant, assistant two, the regional, two the regional manager of this coven. Um, he's kind of like a really impotent bad guy who doesn't really do anything in this film other than be snappy with Celine and threaten her, but seemingly not have the ability to carry it out. Like, you really need one of these vampires to just murder another one of these vampires. Like, show me that these people are not like bureaucrats. Show me that this is a fucking vampire movie. And you mean a little of, of thre- uh, Deacon Frost from Blade? Exactly, exactly, Ross. Exactly. You never get that moment in this film where the vampires show themselves to be monsters. You know, um, a bit of ferocity. Be- it's because Celine is our protagonist, and therefore, the, this, obviously, the film wants her to be sympathetic. So, she there's no violence or malice or you know bloodthirstiness or I guess any vampire traits here whatsoever. Um, which is, I think, is quite disappointing in a vampire movie, um, and and the film kind of continues in that vein where we get quite a lot of like crappy espionage, you know, the sort of thing that wouldn't be out of place in a in a film about like high school kids solving a crime, you know. It really does. Like, yeah. The Dracula there Boys are... in. <laughs> the Dracula Boys in the mystery of the Werewolf Man. Ba ba da ba. Um. So it absolutely is, and the stakes are so low throughout this entire film. How, how does this movie end then, Dave? Get us to the ending. So, we have all of this detective work in the middle. Like I said, they've established that the werewolves want Michael because they can use him as a weapon, essentially, in their war against the vampires. And Celine, at some point, presumably off-screen, falls in love with Michael, um, who doesn't really get any characterization or lines or even much screen time, so... We're not going to talk about him too much. Uh, we get a lot of uh, Martin Sheen, uh, Michael Sheen, <laughs> like, Martin. you know, monologuing about werewolves and about vampires. And that's sort of like where all of our exposition comes from. And the culmination of this is that Celine wakes up Victor, who's played by Bill Nighy, um, to basically like, you know, this is a, this is the uh, essentially she runs to dad because Craven won't share his toys. Um Bill Nye wakes up and he's like, right, well, let's go kill the werewolves. Celine, like I said, is in love with Michael. So they go to kill the werewolves. She goes to save Michael. Craven is there because it turns out he's a double agent. Or something. He kills Lucian. Um, Bill Nye, he arrives. Celine kills him so that she can run away with Michael. That's the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... It's really disjointed. There's a lot of buffer in the middle of this film where there are a lot of characters that are really, really, really forgettable, but like still established characters. There's a there's a female vampire at the coven whose name I can't even remember, who gets quite a lot of screen time early on in this film. There's the guy who runs the armory, who's also a vampire, who again gets absolutely no screen, loads of screen time in this film, but like absolutely none in the final act. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of bizarre how this film both fails at setting up like a satisfying tension and paying it off. Yeah. Can I? So I think that's a. I think as we go through this discussion, <clears throat> I think the problem in this film, and we'll come to why we can fix it, but the problem in it, I think it's fundamentally about the character motivation. And I was trying to think yep. about like there's 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 different theories about character motivation in movies. And I was, I was, I was looking this up before we started. 
you know, do do you is a character does a character have some kind of basic need? Are they trying to survive? Are they trying to they're trying to you know do they have any desire for somebody else or or what what is it that have they got a kind of basic one or do they have evil motivation or do they have even like just giving them a role like are they the protagonist are they are they a, are they a trope that they need to need to follow there's all these different motivations you can have i find it really really difficult to pin a motivation to almost any of these characters you can kind of do it with the bad guys, with the werewolves a little bit, in that they want to take over the world. But why they want to take over the world is not really clear. You know why? There are, why they want? There are, in my mind, Sam, and you are right. There are two characters with decent motivations in this film. And those two characters are Victor, the Trevor Vilnai, yeah. who wants to maintain the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to maintain the status quo in which him and his ilk are on top, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. And Lucian, portrayed by yep. Michael Sheen, his motivation is he wants to upset that balance of power so that his ilk can be on top. Mm-hmm. So that I understand. And there's a very, like, you know, those two, why aren't they the main characters of this fucking film? Yes. That literally was going to be my point, is that the, the, the protagonists in this movie are totally wrong. Totally wrong. Because, number one, Michael... So he he's 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 a normal guy. He's a medical student or whatever who's doing his thing, you know, being a guy in two thousand three with long hair and a leather jacket. You know, he's living he's living it up. He's enjoying being his life. Off the peg white <laughs> dude in two thousand three. He's listening yep. to his iPod. He's having a great time. You know, good for him. Good for him. Probably goes surfing. He looks like he surfs. Maybe maybe. And then he's thrust into this world. Like he's attacked by vampires and. Um, and and werewolves and whatever else is going on in his life, he's literally bitten in the fucking neck by a, by a werewolf, <laughs> by a werewolf, yeah. and and so then he's given he's given a chance to escape because there's a point where uh, Kate Beckinsale's injured and he kind of helps her I think if I remember rightly and he he's he's there as like okay I'll I'll, I'll do something to help to to look after you. He sent he he notices that she's like trying to protect him. That's conveyed somehow, and then she gets shot through the thigh or something, and he ends up like carrying it to the car, yeah, etc. So, so there's the point in the movie where what what on earth is he thinking? Like, what is his motivation to saving it? If because if that's me, and I'm getting attacked by all these crazy creatures that I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on, I'm getting the hell out of it. Like, I don't I don't see that woman as my protector. I see yeah, you're it. like, hmm, I'm going to flee and probably read about this on the news later, and I was never here, yes. Yeah. Well, well you would assume that, she, you know, there's some, you know, trouble brewing, and she's part of it. You know, like, I need to get away from this one. She is she is part of this whole thing. So, you know, it's like if there was, if, if two people were fighting in the middle of the street, you're not going to go, hmm, I need to... I need to see what's going on here, guys. Let's talk it out. Tell me, tell me your sides. Mm-hmm. You get out of it. <laughs> like, not my, nothing to do with me. I'm out of here. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, in in the, in the hierarchy of need, of like Maslow's, <laughs> like he doesn't have, Mas- he, he he has nothing. He has nothing, um, that would match up with his actions, and that is the bit that I find so maddening and confusing. Then we got Kate Beckinsale, who has the exact same problem. Like she's got a little bit, she's got a little bit in terms of like her relationship with with Victor, with Bill Nye's character, and um, I think she like he like kind of like an adopted daughter type of thing, isn't? He's it? like he's a yeah. he's very much a father figure. Yeah, and yeah. so like a patriarchal sort of figure. There's a little bit of like if they'd explored a little bit more about her trying to like impress her dad, her, her, her you know the, this father figure, her kind of adopted dad or whatever, and trying to be like. Yeah, but it's I'm I just I was just doing what you would want what you would do. I'm trying to impress you. I'm you know you never hear and you just don't understand me. Like I can understand that, but they never really explore that. They kind of go into it a, well, a little. They bit. They kind of touch on, but don't go full throttle. Is what they need really is they need a scene of Kate Beckinsale of, of Celine uncovering a bit of this conspiracy, and they kind of do later on. But that needs to be her drive. Needs to be yeah. all right. Something's fishy here. My orders don't. Do you know what I mean? That's what you need to be in this really militant vampire coven. We need her to be like, well, hold on. I've been told to do X, but that doesn't make any sense. And maybe that's why she wakes Victor up as opposed to this whole like, 
oh, I really don't like Craven and therefore I'm going to read some books and go and flirt with this human and yeah. shoot a load of things. Why does she wake Victor up? In the film, she wakes Victor up because um, Craven tells her not to, essentially. There's no this reason. Thing, why, why didn't she just wake up the other guy who was due to be woken up the very next day? Ah, I shouldn't like him. There's, like yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. There's Which, no okay. There's no rational reason for her to do that. Now she might be she might be an irrational character. I'll give you that. I don't think we're given much evidence of that though. No, exactly. But they but they don't they don't they don't give you they don't give you a sense that she's supposed to be cool. She's supposed to collect it. She's supposed to be like this kick-ass, you know, elite SAS vampire person. And and she's and and so there's no there's no other sense of that. And I think this is the bit that they just they just didn't write any of these characters. In terms of like fixing this problem, trying to be constructive, I think it fundamentally comes down to the to 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 Vic, to sorry to Michael and Celine not having a relationship. If they had set up the movie that those two are much more codependent, you know, for, he 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 he's give him a reason to want to be involved in this. Maybe make him like he's a bit more of a loser, and finally he's got some attention, or finally he's got an exciting life, or there's something going on where he would actually maybe, want to maybe be involved. Sam, maybe he's some sort of occultist maybe he has this theory that vampires exist yeah and that's why he's interested in following selena around and that's why he's interested in going to the coven maybe he's just a kook and then that's the source of again just some kind of motivation for this guy to want to be involved yeah and then make selene's character um you know make it about the daddy issues where where she she wants to impress victor and and you know like going out with a human is is a good way of doing that or or even just just something else just something else that you can connect these characters because i think if you connect them together then you have then they can kind of drive each other and you could have like a almost like a buddy a buddy cop movie where they they're discovering and un, un, unraveling this mystery that we're faced with which is you know who who's who are these um who who's who's michael sheen's character is is the the, the 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 vampire a bad guy? All of these things that you can actually get into, whereas we just get nothing of that. We we serve them cold, you know, like a cold fish on a plate, and we're then told to there you go, there's your meal, you know, eighteen quid, thanks a lot, and <laughs> and and it just it just gives you, you know, like at least microwave it, you know, warm it up. I don't care if it's a, if it's still a little bit alive, at least be warm. I could I could <laughs> I could eat it a bit then. At least be fish. <laughs> at least yeah. be fish. Don't don't um, shovel fucking slop at me and tell me no no that's that's uh, that's steak. Enjoy. Yeah. Bon appetit. I agree with I agree with that largely, Sam. I think that's, that's those are all fair comments. I think that's one of the biggest issues of this. Apart from, we'll touch on everything else later. But like, even apart from the plot, it's the character motivate motiva- motivations mm-hmm. make no sense. Also, my biggest absolute we touched on this. My biggest bugbear is why are why are there vampires? Mm-hmm. Why are they vampires? You know, why aren't there only four or five vampires and the rest of them are all just marines or something? Because that's essentially what we get is we get a bunch of guys in, you know, in tactical gear running around with assault rifles shooting. Yeah. You could have had something similar Why do again, they need to be to vampires? Go on, Ross. I was uh, I was agreeing with Dave. You could have had, again something similar to Blade, where you have humans who you know want to prove themselves to to the coven, so to speak, and they're the get ones laying their lives down because vampires normally are very you know like arrogant and you know you know they wouldn't risk their lives. So that yeah. you know you'd have humans sort of as cannon fodder essentially to prove themselves. Again, you could it's have not, had that. It's not a bad shout, Ross. Actually, two minute scene would set that up, wouldn't it? Yeah, to set it up because then you'd have the vampires. Then one again, they're elevating themselves above it, and two, then you can more easily establish them as more powerful beings instead of having to have scenes where werewolves sort of decimate the vampire side. There could have been the humans working for the vampires, and that's why the werewolves were able to wipe them out so easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's Agreed. there's so many of these like fundamental ground level problems with this film that you don't for me I never got really past this I never I never got past the hurried introduction 
I never got past really not understanding why any of these people are doing what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I was, I will admit, I was relatively tired watching this, and so I, and, and I was, I was tired after watching it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But 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 just the just the overall confusion about what was what was going on for me. I yeah. really from the very beginning, I never really caught up, and I never really understood. I mean, I honestly was confusing some of the longer-haired male characters, thinking, is that the is is the bad vampire who was his name, um, Lucian. Is Lucian? That's that's the werewolf, right? Yeah. Is is no not so classic. What's the what's the name Craig, of the Craven? Is Craven, the bad, Craven. Is the, Craven is the manager of the coven. He's he's the regional manager. He's the Dwight Schrute yeah. of the vampire world. Is Craven Michael? Oh no, no, he's no, he's not that guy. That's the guy because because they're so they're so paper thin. Where's Martin Sheen? That's my question. Say again. So where's Martin Sheen in all this? That's my question. Where's Martin Sheen? Well, let's talk about Michael Sheen because I think there's there's a there's probably it's probably the best performance in the film, isn't it? I know like Bill Nye, but I I have mm, I'm not quite sure about him. I think Michael um, Sheen does a really like good job of of selling what he's supposed to do. His motivation is clear, and I think I like his performance because I think Michael Sheen's a really good actor who can deliver. But but he he almost like sticks out because he's just the only the only real the only character who's not hamming it up yeah who's not like just either hamming it up or doing what Kate Beckinsale does which is kind of just like walk around with a scowl on the face like there's not there's very well, sure. acting. what occurred to me when I was watching this was like why 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 isn't just why Michael Sheen why isn't he the Michael character yeah why isn't Michael Sheen like the 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 male lead of this why isn't he the romantic interest? Why isn't he the yeah. werewolf who can get turned into a vampire at the end? Because the biggest problem for me is that the actor portraying Michael, and I think obviously just isn't up to snuff, and therefore in the cutting room they're like, right, well, we're going to have to cut out 80% of his scenes because they're dreadful. Whereas you know, so much of the Michael Sheen stuff stays in. The Lucian character is you know really prominent in this film, and probably because... The performance is so good. Mm, maybe, maybe it's hard to know, but I, I, I do, I do think that you need to. Make, I mean, the reason he's not is because he doesn't look like Scott Speedman. Um, but I think because he doesn't look like the sort of man who would literally be married to Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, and have kids together. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but there's, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, again, them trying to like make a different type of movie than I think actually ended up on screen. They're trying to make a movie where you've got. You've got like like the, the the human character Michael should be the relatable one. It should be the one that we all go, oh yeah, there's there's John Everyman. You know, he's he's like us. He's a human, and he should be able to bring us along. And he's the one asking questions. And this is where it comes down to that. This is how you fix it. You make it a buddy movie. You make it about Kate Beckinsale talking smack to Michael, saying, "Here, hold this," and he holds you know he holds a, a stake that's got someone's head in it. And he's looking at it, going, "Oh my god!" And then there's lots of different ways that you could like build a relationship between them. By you're sort of describing away Sam, so that uh, again, I bring it back to Blade. So like you know, so that there's one person who's looking at it from the fresh per- perspective, which is our perspective, the viewer's perspective, so that you as the viewer, your reaction, you know, it's normal yeah. when you see the other person who's new to this world reacting like, "Oh my god, what is this?" You know, and the vampires, like to them, it's completely normal. It's that framing device so that you're able to see something extraordinary and react like that. And there's someone in the scene who's reacting the same way. Mm-hmm. No, that's totally right. Um, so, just to stop us briefly, um, before we recorded this, I asked you guys to, to come up with a, some sort of vague pitch on how to fix this. And I think Sam's already started, so we'll start with Sam. But I want to hear your pitch with no interruptions, on how how you are fixing this movie, how you make this a good movie. Okay. So, yeah, well, I've, I've teased it already in terms of you make it a buddy movie. And so, like, the first scene that I think is really important, the first scene I want to see Michael um, walking in, you know, walking home from work. He's got his iPod in. He's listening to his hot tunes, Linkin Park or something like that. And... <laughs> Um, 
he's he's like just you know enjoying his life blah 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 and then all of a sudden something happens like someone falls from a building into a car or there's something that breaks his bubble and that is what we see that's that's that is the core of this movie i think should be is that it's it's not about kate beckinsale beckinsale who's great but i don't think she's no 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 i'm i'm saying she's great in terms of like the, the the idea of of what you could do with that character she's there to bring him into the world and, and we don't need to see michael being a super like uh, uh action figure we don't need to see him do that because he doesn't really get that in the movie either he doesn't turn into this 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 great fighting character he's pretty much a wimp the whole time and that's grand but we need to see the relationship between those two actually develop in the film she kisses him for no reason whatsoever I mean, literally, they have no connection, no chemistry, nothing which ties them together. I think that's the bit they need. They need to start off by just tying these characters together somehow um, and getting them quipping back and forth to each other, like in Blade. But but in Blade, the, the female character who's following Blade is actually quite competent. Make Michael really yes. not very competent at all. And then you get the funny moments. You, you add a little bit of humour to this movie, which is totally humourless, totally lacking in any fucking... Like, uh, it's just so up its own ass, you know, trying to yeah. talk about vampires like it's some new, fresh thing. I mean, Christ. And then, there, well, just, just to finish my point, Russ, and then, go for it, yeah. And then, what we see is those two uncovering the mystery, uncovering what's going on. And we see Kate Beckinsale struggling with that relationship with Victor. And we see how actually Michael ends up being really good for her because it kind of like gets breaks her away from from this this very manipulative man who who says oh i saved you and all that i mean he he turned her into a vampire when her parents were dead and when she was a little kid you know that's not a very nice thing to do it's not like he did anything and i think that whole that whole relationship needs to fundamentally change and then she can get her moment of breaking free of redeeming all of maybe some of the bad things that she's done and not and not go out with Michael. I'm not saying it needs to be a love story, but I need but you need to have something there where the, the, those two characters get to actually move forward because they don't do that at all. That binds them. Yeah. And and they don't progress. We just see the same monotone, dull characters throughout the whole movie. whether it's vampires, whether it's werewolves whether you just get rid of that i mean it doesn't really matter make up whatever plot you like about the the antagonists it doesn't really matter the core of the movie should be their relationship and it's just not and that for me i think is is it was what i was expecting and just does not materialize at all which i think is a big problem i am done wonderful yeah, um, comprehensive. yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable, Sam. I think that's an interesting way of doing it, and I think that this, there's certainly a huge thread that runs through this film, especially once Bill Nye he's awake uh, of of Celine's relationship with him, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of weirdly disjointed, like a lot of this film, in that they obviously it they didn't want to make it really really prominent, but they also felt they needed it, so it kind of like it it kind of like wars with. The relation, the right relationship she has with Michael, as like the, what is our B plot here, you know? And I don't think in a, in a convincing way. So I think making that, you know, the through line would certainly make this a more more comprehensible film. Yes, yes, I think so. Um, Ross, Ross, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I I would actually first of all there is a couple of um what I really hate are little obvious plot holes. Um, so I would address a couple of these, first of all. Uh, like there's scenes where, uh, I mean, th- that scene where Kate Beckinsale, you know, she does her, her little bit of sleuthing, goes into the library and essentially, you know, starts looking into how Lucian, you know, was was killed in the first place. And I don't know if you remember this scene, but it stuck out to me. There was this book in a glass display case and this is a library. She she smashes the display case. 
How do you get into this white case as well? Have interest. <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. You smash it so, with your fist, the and thing. then you take the she's book not, out. She's not trespassing, though. So <laughs> she has the. She can get the book. She can get a key. If she can't get a key, why would you keep it in a glass display case? <laughs> also, later on in the movie, like she says that, oh, looking into the past is forbidden. If it's forbidden, why is history books on display and like this sort of stuff really winds me up. Like it's obviously they're just for effect and it wind it yeah. So what I would do is I would actually uh, because it, it's it's communicated like really like in the third act that it was actually Bill Nye who sort of killed uh, like you've pointed out Sam Selina's parents. So I would actually start the movie like back in you know the sort of the medieval times when when Lucian. Uh, when Bill Nye kills his daughter, but obviously you don't sort of reveal that it's his daughter at the time, and you could sort of actually start the scene off where Bill Nye is sort of, you know, going through a house that's been sort of, you know, a family that's been decimated, and he picks up the girl, and it, it's framed as if he's saving her, and then you immediately establish that father and daughter sort of connection there that he's he saved her from this decimation and and he's looking after her then you go into the scene that instead of having it as flashbacks show the scene of you know his daughter being burned things like that and then you know something like 600 years later so you could establish bill nye as this oh he's he's the guy who can make it all okay and so it makes more sense for her to bring him back you see that connection that love she has for him um I would, and, and the thing as well with the run because the runtime is two hours, you Ugh. could you could cut so much from mm-hmm. the movie to make time for those sort of establishment yeah. scenes, Good. and then I would probably recast Michael, <laughs> and um, yeah, cut out Get all of those scenes that are, yeah. and also work on the power balancing. So either vampires are stronger or werewolves are, and we need to explain how vampires got the upper hand if that's the case. So I would look at the power balancing. Uh, and then fix some of the. I, I would tell you what as well. I would fix the goddamn audio balancing. I spent two hours <laughs> turning up my TV to hear the f- to, to to hear them speak, and then next thing like needless sound effects, like just for a scene <laughs> transition. And like I don't, and I'm like I've got a baby fucking trying to sleep upstairs, and it's like I've got to turn it down now. I had I watched this movie with my thumb nestled over the volume buttons. That annoyed the hell out of me. Um, so yeah, that's what I think I'd do. I would uh, work on when the movie starts, uh, and do a lot of editing and recast the part of Michael. Can I can I come come in straight in because I think that there is um, Victor. I think is probably the biggest the, the confusion I have. They mentioned Victor so many times before you know who he is. <laughs> But they give you nothing. They they they, they just yep. keep saying, "Well, I'm going. Well, Victor, Victor. I mean, I'm going to tell Victor about this and Victor. I mean, just like, who the hell is Victor? Who? <laughs> Man, Victor's going to be pissed whenever he gets here. <laughs> Honestly, well, I, I have one, no idea. I didn't even know who. Of, I didn't even know who the actor of having was. Bill Nighy in your film is fucking get him in the film. Don't wait for an hour and twenty minutes yeah. before he makes an appearance. I presume that he had limited time because you don't really see him outside of that room very much. Um, no. And I think just oh god, God Almighty, just horrendous. The on the sound, utterly, utterly infuriating. I mean, I really hate it when yep. movies do this because yeah, like me, I don't want to wake up half the street because I'm watching. <laughs> uh, just I mean, really, it's just horrendous. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know if it's because they're mixed with older TVs in mind or something. You know, like maybe there's some issue there. But you you get this all the time with a certain. A, a, a movie of a certain period and it's absolutely baffling well I think it's actually an exercise that um, that movies tried to do uh, there's, there's some useless trivia here because when when you back when if you remember regular TV that used to have adverts um, that you couldn't fast forward through what advert companies would do so say for example say if you're watching Friends and your regular volume level is you know, universally, let's say it's, you know, I'll pick a number five. What advert companies would do is they know that your volume setting is at five. So their advert, they would jack it up to like say something like uh, nine or 11, which basically, and that jolt uh, change in volume makes you, you know, look, you know, sort of pay attention to what's going on. And in their minds, you're then watching the advert, you're paying attention to it. Yeah. 
So there was there was actually laws passed to try and like prevent that, but there's no way to measure it, and like they still do it to this they day. They boost they boost the dynamic range, so you, the, everything gets louder in the actual. Yeah, it's really horrendous. It's really horrendous, mm-hmm. and, and and it's exact and it's really, same. It's a sneaky thing. Yeah. The other thing that I just absolutely detest, and I don't know, I don't know why in in like 2003 this has even been used because it's such a it's such an 80s thing. But they the use of the water phone, um, in like scenes where there's a bit of a jump scare or something, or or even transition sometimes, as you say, Ross, like there's just all these horrible, horrible noises. Needless. Ah, it's just it just seems so dated. <laughs> it seems so dated and so basic, and I just don't mm-hmm. understand why you'd use those when when you've got so many different it just again it really comes to the like lack of attention this movie has definitely um i th- I think as well like just just to round out the sort of the while we're talking about sound effects as well there was a really sort of method it's a cheap ass method as well i don't know if you spotted this um you know that subway scene at the beginning where kate uh she's dispatched uh, an enemy and she's basically going about to sort of peek around a corner you know to see if look for any more enemies and as she's just about to go peek her head around the corner like a subway train comes crashing past and then you hear all this this you know this splash of noise just as you see the subway train when in real life that's not how it would happen you would hear the subway train coming from (laughs) half a mile down the goddamn (laughs) track you don't just hear things as you see them yeah very frustrating but dave before we get to your fix i just want to do one more technical thing um the I think the cinematography in this is maybe some of the worst cinematography I've seen in in a long, long time. It is so so bland. Like there are no, there's no, there's almost no moving shots in this, and I, I really started to notice this after about twenty minutes, and then it just took over my entire experience of watching this film. <laughs> Everything is just stationary and square. There is there is there is nothing that's dynamic in this. There's no movement of the camera. There's not any like even like tracking shots. The whole thing is just we're just going to put the camera there, and then things are going to happen in front of it, and then we're going to switch to this alternate angle to get that reaction. And I, I, God, you're right, yeah. It's and it actually, it's got a really experienced um, cinematographer in Tony Pierce Roberts, who's done quite a lot of re- a room from review, Howard's End, Remains of the Day. Like, there's quite a lot of films that you'd um, you'd recognize. Also, Jungle to Jungle, which I think oh, it's a great Tim Allen film. Yeah, that's allowed. Whatever that Disney movie was, like he's really, really well. And I just, I don't know if it's if it's him or if it's the 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 the, the choices in the movie, the rest of the crew, the director, and all that. I, I've no, I'm not really sure, but I just think it's it's really, really poor. He didn't do any of the other ones, um, so that maybe tells a story. I'm not sure what the story Potentially. is. Potentially, you are right, Sam. It's like I said, it's very static, and and if you aren't looking for it, you kind of don't notice because this film is so intentionally dark and washed out and blue that you know there really there isn't a set in this film that makes you sit up and go oh they've, they've done some work on that set you know at the same time so maybe that's why the, they felt they didn't need to put a lot of work into the into the cinematography because you know they're not you, you you're meant to be focusing on the on the actors really there's nothing significant in the background of any, any of these shots no it's very it's very 22 million dollar budget isn't it which is you know fair enough it's all shot inside a mansion mostly um but but yeah so so these are the um i like the effects i like some of the effects i think it's cool when bill nye gets his head sliced off and it's kind of slowly starts that to... effect was almost perfect except where you see the 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 line the seam and uh, you know I'm poking holes here, but where you see the line uh, or the or the, the split in his head forming, it uh, it just goes through his nostril slightly, but they don't slice the nostril, <laughs> which is so like so like if that's the case, why that's not just move the, the line most slightly? Pedantic thing I've ever heard. Well, um. <laughs> it, it, it it's such an easy fix though. Yeah. We are, we are, we do have a podcast. 20, 22 Dave, million so dollars, Ross. I think, like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we're not, we're not, we don't have a sponsor yet, Dave. So, oh, that's fine. Um, you know, uh, if you have money and you like maybe. to listen to three people waffle, send us 
<laughs> your money. Mm. Waffles. Speaking of waffles, Dave, what's your fix then for this? So my <laughs> fix is to turn this into much more of a a mystery. Now we get some of that, and like we said, we get a library scene with Celine where she very gently punches through a glass display case to get at a book. My pitch here would be to get rid of a lot of these ancillary characters and, and you sort of you're left with Celine, who's obviously our protagonist. And you've got instead of the Michael character, let's just have um an archaeologist essentially. Now follow me here. If we've all seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, let's get a Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer type character in here. You know, bespectacled, fairly bookish, he's into the occult, he's read out about all of this stuff, you know, he's he's read about the vampires and, and death dealers and all of that. And maybe we open with a voiceover from from this guy who's like, oh, you know, a legend has it that uh, blah, blah, blah. And that's how we get the backstory about um, the vampires and the werewolves. So we don't have to have all the awkward shit later. Um, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to go and explore this. Or I'm going to go and have a look at this place. Or I'm going to go and buy a book from this from this, from this this shady guy. He turns up and Celine is ripping that person's throat out. Hmm. And that's how we introduce... The two characters we have. Number one, we get a vampire ripping someone's throat out. Please, God, in a vampire movie, and then and then he's sort of swept up in these events, and he decides he wants to try and follow Celine around because you know he's a he he wants to sort of discover this this vampire sort of underworld that's going on. It's the title of the movie, you know. Maybe we could throw some of that in there. Um, and then the plot's very similar. You have Celine and him basically uncovering. Craven's betrayal and that's what leads us to the werewolves and everything and that's what leads us to waking Victor up and that's what leads to this like big climactic battle is Celine and this guy basically uncovering this mystery let's fucking get rid of this romantic plot with Michael and get him out of the film entirely this hybrid stuff is boring I don't need it get it out of here just give me some vampires eating some werewolves you know I like it like and, you know, maybe Craven's a bit more decadent. Maybe he's having a few vampire orgies because it's a vampire movie, you know? Um, and then that's a bit like... like Dave, um, and I may be vastly oversimplifying it here, but it sounds like... Because we've all said, you know, it's like if they, if you mixed Blade with The Matrix and they shut that out, it seems like uh, sort of you're suggesting, you know, take out a lot of the matrix and maybe put in a little you know a little men in black you know for the mystery yeah you know keep the cool vampire you know then like well, it's what sam the, said like, shots let's turn this into like a, a not a buddy i like the buddy cop angle but i maybe think that you strip quite a lot of this out of here and you can have if you've got a bookish character you've got a fucking easy beeline to have a library scene where he explains something where we don't have to read a fucking book and have celine say well <laughs> history is banned but i'm gonna read this book with pretty pictures in it you don't have to have these awkward, like, prophetic visions from Michael in the in the final act. You can just have a character go, well, legend says that this happened and blah, blah, blah. And then, for whatever reason, she suspects Craven or doesn't like him. And then they try and uncover something about Craven, that his betrayal back in the day. And then you have th- those two characters on screen solving this mystery, on screen fighting. You know, and like Sam said, you can have these funny bits with... You know, Celine's kicking ass, and 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 you know, basically the guy, the bookish guy, is handing her stakes—not stakes, but you know what I mean. Like he's handing her silver bullets. Like you know what I mean. Not actively participating, and and you can derive some humor from that, and 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 make it maybe a little bit more violent, and it'd be pretty good, maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, but it's yeah. hard. It's hard to know, really. Like I just think that would lead to a more satisfying plot, and you could still have this mythology in here because I think. From having looked at some of the reviews and this, and certainly like the the films that followed this, that's what the thing that really caught on with the public in this astoundingly, is this mythology of this vampire and werewolf like conflict. That's what people wanted more of, not so much any of these pe- characters, but that idea. Yeah. Um. um I, the, the thing is, I, I I don't have much more to add to that because I I, I can't disagree with anything you've said there. Um, Please, somebody in Hollywood hire me. I think I think on on vampire werewolves we 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 obviously learned 
um, just a few years later of how how much the public really wanted more of that. Like the vampire werewolf thing is clearly something that's very very um, uh, in in the zeitgeist of the mid two thousands, and it, I think Twilight was two thousand eight or something like that. So that what year did um, Van Helsing come out? Van Helsing, um, I think that came out in two thousand. would have been four, I think, was it? Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, so which also stars Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, as a human fighting vampires, I think this time as opposed to the other yeah. way around. Yeah, she gets to wear like a <laughs> like a, a sexy gypsy corset in, instead of this mm-hmm. leather leather number. <laughs> but, but but in terms of in terms of the budget for this, I think what we have to look at. So we, we've I think the total the total budget for all of the, these what five movies was 207 million and the worldwide box office gross for the total series was 540 million so obviously there's enough in there but but the, but this is the highest rated um movie on rotten tomatoes you know the, the next one down rise of the lichens is really out, out of the sequels oh god so, so it's only got about 30 percent sometimes it say again Hasn't this film only got about a 30% on Rotten 31%, well? yeah. So we had 31%, <laughs> 17, 29, 27, 19 um, sequentially. So you, clearly this isn't about what we're wrong, obviously, when it comes to the to the budget and to the to the movie-making business because this is what people want. And then, boy, did they get Twilight, Vampire and, and Werewolves and people ate people that up. Um, so it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As it, again, what do we know, uh, really? Um, but you know, I think this is a a bizarre movie that you know. I think two thousand and three, as well as is far enough removed from now, where the internet certainly wasn't what it is now. Then there was no streaming. You know, Blockbuster was still making lots of money. Uh, you know, maybe maybe part of the reason this made the money it made was because. The, the view of a cinema was different in 2003. Mm-hmm. People would go to the cinema just to go to the cinema, not necessarily because they really wanted to see a film or they really wanted to hand over, you know, 30 quid for some for some subpar, mediocre, warm food, um, but because they wanted to just have something to do for three hours. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, I think that is, it is maybe a product of a different time, but... Oh well, if you've got you know if you've got two hundred and seven million dollars to spend, this is obviously quite a good way to get your money back and then some. So, <laughs> why not invest in our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we guarantee at least at least a return of five hundred million dollars. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. and we will give you a two-hour runtime. <laughs> my my final thought is, I think this is a this is a pretty good hangover movie, which is a term I'm stealing from another podcast. Um, whereby you could fall asleep for half of this movie and wake up and not really have missed anything. Well, I'll have a confession that I pretty much did that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I finished it off about, it was about like 12 o'clock and I thought, I've, I've still got 40 minutes to go. Oh my God. I fell asleep <laughs> just as like the confrontation between Bill Nye and um, the reveal, I guess. And then what I pretty much remember waking up to was the head slice thing. I thought, oh, that's cool. Um, I did. I Genuinely, did, Sam, you didn't really miss much. I did go back and rewatch it actually today just to make sure that I wasn't missing anything important. And surprise, surprise, listener, I was not. So I feel good about that um, sleep. You know, I, I, it was definitely needed. Yeah. Being an adult's hard. It is. Um, so I think anyway. we're, are we done with this film, Dave? Are we going to move on? I think I've said all the things that I'd like to say. Anything for anything? Final thought, Ross? Um, no, I mean, uh, apart from the ludicrous, uh, some of the ludicrous special effects. Uh, for instance, I think there's that scene, and I remember this actually being when I've seen adverts for this, like on TV, when um, she has the dual pistols and she shoots through the floor. Uh, with such, with enough bullets to actually drop down a floor. Now I want you to think about that. So let's say like that's ten millimeter. Let's say they're ten millimeter bullets. So how many rounds do you need to put in the floor? Bear in mind, like they have to go all the way through. Like you know, say like one foot of, uh, you know, say like hardwood floor, and then you know some uh, some joists, some plastering, plasterboard, 
all that there, and she does that. She she aims with such precision enough to cut through the floor so to escape no. three werewolves. I would honestly, argue, Ross. I put it down to I would argue American the amount of bullets techniques. needed to do that. You could probably kill those werewolves. Yeah, Myth, Myth, Mythbusters did it, and they and they 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 debunked it and said it's not possible. Um. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is. I mean, that is just that. That actually is a nice place to finish because it just it's it typifies the utter stupidity mm-hmm. of this movie, and how and how <laughs> and how stupid listener they think you are as well. That and that's what it really yeah. comes down to. Uh, anyway, uh, we've we've bored our audience for long enough, I think. <laughs> so, we'll see you next week. See you later. Take care. You don't need feet to have a podcast.